Life is hard when you don't know who you are. It's harder when you don't know what you are. My love carries a death sentence. I was lost for years, searching while hiding, only to find that I belong to a world hidden from humans. I won't hide anymore. I will live the life I choose. You're listening to episode 29 of Fatalist, a podcast devoted to the supernatural series Lost Girl. My name is Dave, and sitting across the table, as always, to rip into this week's episode. Welcome, Wayne. Welcome, Dave. All right. Good times here. We're uh, Great times. decked out in our Ravens gear, and we're not going to spend too much time on the... Uh, All right, for uh, the listeners that don't know the uh, significance of that tune, you want to fill them in? That is uh, Seven Nation Army by the White Stripes, and that is what uh, Ravens Nation uses to intimidate and dominate opposing teams that are foolish enough to visit M&T Bank Stadium, yes. as well as a number in other cities as well. You could hear it, you could hear it during... Uh, all those away playoff games as well. I heard the Ravens faithful singing out Seven Nation Army. And, the, and I was singing it myself today, down downtown Baltimore, as the Ravens came back and the victory parade. Yeah, we heard uh, anywhere from, you know, 125, 150, maybe even 200,000 people between uh, the, oh gosh, probably 90,000 90, at least in M&T Bank Stadium. And uh, being the good dad that you are, you took the family down, and and you know your boys are old enough; they'll always remember that. Yeah, yeah, they were pretty psyched. It was uh, it was a lot of people. It was a lot of people. It was very difficult getting into the city in the first place. I know people who didn't. I mean, we're lucky even to get into the stadium. A lot of people didn't even get in. So, but I digress. Yeah, well, you know, for uh, and obviously we're talking to a lot of U.S. listeners now, the way we may not have been during the. Uh, Previous two seasons of podcasts, but, uh, you know, the Super Bowl must be big in Canada as well. They didn't do a Lost Girl this Sunday. Right. Well, my sister is uh, is actually living in Vancouver for a little bit, and uh, and she called me, you know, like as soon as the game was over, she called me. I'm like, wait a second. And I was like thinking, oh, they're showing in Canada. You know, of course they're showing in Canada. There's yeah, show it everywhere Loads, of, loads of football fans, even in Canada. So it was just yeah. for a second there, I was like kind of confused, but yep. yep. But uh, obviously, we're, we're happy down here. And, uh, you know, other than that, watching, uh, you, know, you know, there doesn't seem to be a lot of sci-fi fantasy on right now. I mean, obviously, Supernatural, Being Human, and Lost Girl, you know, on you know Sci-Fi Mondays here in the U.S. Arrow is back again. But geez, not much else. Yeah, you know, outside the CW, not, not a lot going on as far as sci-fi supernatural world, but uh, the CW is carrying the load like a, like a certain quarterback, number five. I, would, I think his name is Joe Flacco. Yeah, we'll, we'll stop the football references <laughs> pretty soon. But, uh, yeah, and I'm still plugging away at Andromeda, and, and we actually shouldn't even say plugging away. That you implies always say that, it in ways that make it sound like you're not enjoying it. I know, and, and I just realized that, and, and it's just – I mean, I'm loving that show. You start thinking like, and believe it or not, you know, I did a quick search on iTunes uh, a couple weeks ago. There don't seem to be any podcasts related to Andromeda. Now, now somebody might say, well, okay, that's a show that went off the air in like 2004. But, you know, there are a lot of podcasts out there that are revisiting. Well, the Farscape ones. Right. There's new Farscape ones coming out still, you know. Yeah. Because people find, I mean, that's the way the media goes nowadays, especially with Netflix. You can find a show. I could, you know, like, you know, you said check out Farscape. So last year I went and checked out Farscape. And to me, it was like it had just come out. Right. But that show was, what, it was 2001, right? Right. And you still want to hear people it was talking like about it. 10 years old. And, and uh, but to me, it was fresh as, as they. And you see that with the, uh, what's the new, the original series that, uh, that Netflix is doing? We were just talking about the other day. Not Arrested Development. No, No. well, they are, but they they got one they just released on like Friday. Oh yeah, I heard House of Cards. House of Cards, Um, which I haven't seen yet, but uh, one of our colleagues has uh, seen it and she says excellent. Um, But you know that instead of here, instead of getting the TV show one episode at a time, they release House of Cards all thirteen episodes, and you can watch it. You know, 
You can watch it one week, once a week if you want. You can watch them all in one night if you right. want. Now, you they know? don't put commercials in on Netflix, right? I don't think so. But, I mean, like I said, I haven't seen House well, I mean, of Cards, you, but I doubt it. No, but, I mean, you, you have Netflix. So oh, you, oh, right. No, 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 no. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, no, so no, that no. just must be in in the contract that they... Right, well, they, you know, I mean, because they, they make the, their pay service, right? So that's how they make their money. They don't need to do uh, commercials. But, yeah, Netflix is, is pretty boss, man. They, they really, the uh, the streaming version of Netflix is is fantastic. And, yeah, I keep, um, I keep threatening, you know. I mean, I've got my PS3. Uh, of course, I'd have to move it downstairs. But right. uh, Or, like like I said, use an excuse and to buy an Xbox. True. <laughs> have that downstairs But then, as well. of course, then it's actually with the Xbox is uh, you have to pay, like, an extra five bucks. So don't get an Xbox. I yeah. can't, Do they come can't in- discourage you enough from getting the Xbox, uh-huh. as I'm finding out now. Microsoft runs Xbox, and you have to pay extra to get online. Like, you, they have, like, the free version, but you can't do anything with that. So if you want to get, like, Netflix, which I'm already paying eight bucks a month for Netflix, but to get it through the Xbox, it's another five bucks. Wow. Or like a hundred dollars for a year for a family for four people, if, and if, if so, you know, I go, I, I and I ask, you know, I ask my you know kids that I see, I'm like, what, well, you know, and they're like, well, dude, you should have gotten the PS3. <laughs> well, I'm like, well, if I does the Xbox that, come no. in black? It does. I actually oh. we got an Xbox that has it's an R2D2 game, oh, and it okay. makes little beeping sounds when you turn it on and off. It's pretty sweet. Uh, the boys love it. Like, you know, we got it for the kids, obviously, not for me and not for Netflix, but uh, just that little bit. Uh, those of you educating you out there, if you if you have uh, budding uh, preteens out there who are looking towards the Xbox for their entertainment value, I would try to steer them away to something that's not going to cost you an extra eight bucks a month. Oh. All right. Well, anyway, that's our little. Uh... Eh, it's not quite a diatribe, but it was a little bit of a diatribe. A little bit, but uh, all right. Why don't we do a little bit of news this week? And there's not a whole lot going on, at least that I can find. I just but... found one, but you might have it already. All right. Well, I'll give you the two I've got. Uh, Ross Katz is set to direct Joseph Fiennes and Marina Baccarin in the supernatural thriller The Unholy, and principal photography is set to start in the spring. So it's inspired by actual scientific research that suggests evil may live within our very own genetic code. The Unholy follows a group of cutting-edge scientists who believe they can link evil to a specific human gene. And when they're recruited by the Vatican to spearhead a new global initiative to examine candidates for official exorcisms, supernatural forces threaten both faith and science in a battle of good versus evil. And, you know, okay, fine, Marina Baccarin's in it, and and we're going to see it just for that reason. But that sounds like a pretty cool plot. Uh, At first— I was skeptical, probably because you said Joseph Fiennes. Yeah. And then after that, though, I thought, was, actually, I shouldn't knock on him. He was really great at Shakespeare. Um, actually, you know what? I should, because he was good in Flash Forward, too, right? Yeah. I, like I'm him. lukewarm with him in that. But I liked him. But I like him okay. I mean, again, right, as Shakespeare, yeah. he was awesome. But, you know, for those of you that don't but know yeah, Marina Baccarin, you, you know, I think most sci-fi fans, and if you if if the actress's name doesn't ring a bell— she was our favorite companion in Firefly, in our Sarah. She was in, I guess, about five or six episodes of Stargate SG-1, and then most recently in the you know, sci-fi world, in the V re- uh, reboot of 2009-2011, she played Anna, leader of the Visitors. And, you know, again, that was another show that I thought had some potential, but... Just... I, yeah, I, I dropped V after a couple episodes. It just... Wasn't wasn't doing it for me. Yeah, well, her it's sh- the teenagers. It's tough to have when you got teenagers on a show. It's like you got to have them with their teenager issues, and that's not something you really want to watch. Well, you know, that's not I want to watch. Well, you know, it's interesting because I agree with you certainly with V, but um, you know, but then you look at some of the you know. You know the other shows, Falling Skies. Were you watching Falling I Skies? Seen, yeah. um, you, you know, keep the, asking me that. Right, oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> and then the, the teenagers in that, um, you know, are are really facing completely different issues, right? And you know, so anyway, it could go well. You know, and then you take a show like Sarah Connor Chronicles, which a lot of it, and, right? And, but they wove the, you know, John's teen issues, you know, in the context of what he actually is. You know, they they wove it into the show and everything. Sure. So, you know, I you know, I never could. I'm just that I'm I'm not blaming that kid or that actor as for why I didn't 
really like V. I don't. I really can't explain it. V had a lot of good elements there, but just. Eh. Okay. All right. Now the only other one, uh, and some of you that watch NBC's comedy Parks and Recreation know who Chris Pratt is. He's in negotiations to star in Guardians of the Galaxy, Marvel's sci-fi adventure movie being directed by James Gunn. All right, so the movie centers on Peter Quill, a.k.a. Star-Lord, a U.S. pilot who ends up in space in the middle of a universal conflict, goes on the run with futuristic ex-cons who have something everyone wants, according to the plot description. Now, right away, I guess, um, you know, that's sort of like Farscape, right? Sounds it, yeah. And, and and to be honest, it's sort of like Andromeda. I mean, they're not ex-cons in Andromeda, but they're they're scavengers, and and, and you know they meet up. So right. now, while there have been several incarnations of the Guardians team in the comics since their debut in 1969, the movie's lineup is also going to include Drax the Destroyer, a human resurrected as a Green Warrior, uh, Groot, a giant tree man, Rocket Raccoon, a genetically engineered animal with a knack for guns and explosives. Gamora, the last survivor of her species who was saved by Thanos to be an assassin. So Pratt's going to play Quill, the human face of the picture, as long as a deal can be worked out that can accommodate his, uh, you know, filming of Parks and Recreations. So the movie's slated for release August of 2014. So, you know, it's Marvel and, you know, I'm, you know, now kind of digging on the Marvel world. So who knows? Who knows? Yeah, he's, I mean, he's hilarious. But then, uh, it looks like he's kind of making that that move into, into action flicks now because he was in that uh, what's the Zero Dark Thirty. Uh, oh yeah, he, he's he's in that movie. Okay, yeah. um, so you know. Now you good, said good you movie. had some news. Yes, I just found this out. Um, this is from the uh, uh, Galaxy Far Far Away. Um, we know that J.J. Uh, Abrams has been. Hired to do uh, at least episode seven, I imagine eight and nine as well of the the new trilogy. But they also, Disney said they wanted to make some standalone uh, Star Wars movies from that universe, you know, from the Star Wars universe, but not you know ones that would be trilogies. So of course, if they're really successful, you know, and with different characters, right? Yeah. And so the first one that sounds like again, this is not official, but it looks like the first standalone is going to uh, be about Yoda. So. Oh. That's kind of interesting. We'll see uh, if uh, our, our favorite green Jedi master in his early days, you know, uh, there's always like probably everyone's favorite part of Attack of the Clones is when Yoda starts spinning around and fighting with his lightsaber, which we'd never seen before because he always had, you know, a hand up his um, bottom. Yeah. And so interesting it sounds. He, couldn't, <laughs> he could not uh, jump around. He could just shuffle because he was a puppet. But then when they moved into uh, CGI, then all of a sudden he can flip and dance and, and everything. So it'd be, maybe we see even, even younger Yoda doing even more flipping and stuff like that. All right. So that's what I got. That's it. Okay. Well, that's pretty cool. I mean, anything Star Trek, Star Wars related is all right. All right. Uh, and then on a kind of a negative spin, the uh, the numbers have been coming in slow. I guess they're, you know, between the presidential inauguration here in the States a couple weeks ago, the Super Bowl. Um, so for, you know, these are the numbers for, you know, what we've been calling the, you know, Monday sci-fi. Powerful Mondays. Powerful right? Mondays, right. And Lost Girl had its lowest viewership of the four episodes and dropped down to 844,000 viewers. Mm. Uh, 320,000 in the 18 to 49, which isn't, you know, isn't too bad, but, you know, again, it's the, the lowest number and, and, uh, you know, they've, they've gone from, you know, 1.186 to 1.075 to 1.052. So we're there, you know, there's this downward trend that's call a, a, a negative trend. Yes. And, you know, now I'm not sure. And I tweeted earlier in the evening, uh, you know, just about that, not with the specific numbers, but, uh, mentioning that I haven't really seen any of the Canadian numbers, so not sure how it's doing in Canada. Hopefully, everything's good up there. But uh, and then yeah, because if it yeah, you know, like you said, if it's doing well in in Canada, then you know sci-fi is more likely to keep it because they right. don't have to pay to, to make the show, right? Right. Now, Continuum, you know, just barely eked out over a million, which you know, again, the million seems to kind of be the you know the the point of no return, so to speak. So we'll see now, uh, you know, looking ahead to broadcast dates, because now with Canada not ap uh, airing a Lost Girl episode, 
we're going to be back to, or we're not going to be back to, we're going to be on a, uh, only a one-day delay on seeing Lost Girl. So Sci-Fi is going to show it? Yes. Next so week. so okay. it looks like next week, uh, you know, Canada will air it on Sunday, U.S. will air it on Monday. And, you know, the, the one thing I did find is that on the U.S. Sci-Fi, well, actually, and, and I realize Canada doesn't have a Sci-Fi uh, channel, but uh, on Sci-Fi, they don't show the f- that they're going to air a Lost Girl episode on February 25th, that they're going to resume on March 4th. So, you know, I don't know what that's going to do to the, the gap. Um, but then again, on Wikipedia, and you take that for what it is, they, they have the dates uh, for the Canadian and for the U.S. airing, and it doesn't look like there's going to be a gap. So we'll all just have to keep... Uh, Keep our eyes peeled on that and see what happens. Now, the yeah, other th- cool well, thing is, just, just, I mean, you and Michael were, were talking about this on your your Liberate podcast, and that I mean, part of the, part of the, potentially the problem is is that the delay itself, because once it's shown in Canada, you know, I hope I hate to break this to you, people at Sci Fi, but there's loads of people who can get the show, you know, before and not have to wait a week to see it on Sci Fi. Right, so it's 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 crazy, you know. Like if it's already difficult enough for for a TV show to uh, compete with, you know, the online versions, you know, pirated versions. That you know, why would you put yourself in that, you know, you know, position where you're you're? I don't know. It's just it's kind of when when you look at the numbers and you're thinking, you know. This is a show that obviously we we want to continue. We want to see it survive, but it's fighting against these things, and the networks aren't helping it by by scheduling it like this. And you're where you're just you know begging for people to pirate the thing and send it out and, and watch it that way. So it's redundant by the time it gets on. Sci-fi. Right, and I mean now we don't know what the you know contractual arrangements are between Showcase and Sci Fi, and you know heck maybe they're okay with this. So. Maybe. Yeah, we don't know. But anyway, the the other the last interesting thing is that with uh, Continuum, it looks like it's uh, the 10th episode is set to air on March 18th, and they're going to run a marathon of all 10 episodes uh, back-to-back. I think I saw starting at maybe 10 a.m., but nah, I wouldn't swear to that. But that be the news for tonight. Project X. Yeah, not a lot with Project X, but I thought maybe we have a little conversation here, Dave, because I know this is something that you um, can speak about with some kind of authority, and that's just the idea of shapeshifters. Uh, the bad guy this week that we really don't see is uh, Rakshasa, which would be a cool name for a band, I think, you know, at least a song. Um, <clears throat> so they are... Uh, very basically just super evil creatures like you know um in uh in like indonesia well as they say indonesian uh sh- shapeshifter in, in here but also like in the hindu and buddhist traditions uh, as well and so you know, the the idea of of shapeshifters is really as old as you know, time itself, and as old as stories itself, there's always been, uh, we see like the Greek gods who are, you know, always changing shapes and, you know, and, and, and they were changing humans and other things and everything like that. Oh, yeah, Dionysus and... Absolutely. And then, yep. you know, obviously like werewolves is, is in, you know... Uh, so when you t- talk about my experience with shapeshifters, you're not talking about Fringe. I was... You're, you're uh, talking about that other show, that <laughs> other movie. No, I was talking about Fringe. Oh, okay. I thought you were making like some sort of little, you know, subtle. Oh, you know, about and, the uh, the uh, the T word. Yes. No, the, the movie that shall not be named. Yes. No. <laughs> no, though, but they're they're yeah, any yeah, Kristen they're, Stewart news. The uh, yeah. Uh, but 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 certainly yeah, because there's you know the the one dude is a is a werewolf in there, so there's something you know uh, to that. Yeah, I think it's just something that is just. For some, you know, you, you wonder where these things come from, like, originally, because these ideas don't pop out of nowhere unless we have a shapeshifter gene that has us believe in these. So, um, you know, I guess your earliest human humans looking at animals and saying, hey, that animal's looking at me kind of funny, you know, like almost like a person. You say, oh, well, maybe it is a person. And then the imagination goes from there. So then you get 
you know, this whole tradition of this idea of, of gods and people that can change shapes and everything. But of course, that's a creepy thing, right? I mean, if someone can change well, shapes. Well, I mean, it certainly is. I mean, you know, you mentioned, I mean, with the Greeks and, and you know, in uh, Euripides play the Bacchants where, you know, Dionysus comes down, right? He, he's angry that they're, you know, not making a mockery of his uh, deity, but, you know, he shows himself as some wild animal or, 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 or he... He makes the people believe that uh, you know some of the other people are, you know, not what they are, yeah. and tear them limb from limb. So, <laughs> so, so yeah, <clears throat> it's just something that's uh, kind of a, a literary tradition from from way back. Um, the the Rakshasa do have a venomous fingernails, so we saw like all the victims in this one of uh, the Rakshasa had that scratch on their neck. Um, so we had the, the shapeshifters in Fringe as well, which um, we re- we didn't see in the last season. I yeah, thought and I guess they were, those were biogenetically engineered, I suppose. But, right. But yeah, I mean, again, that was one of the things in Fringe that, you know, here today, gone tomorrow. and Yeah, but they were a big part of seasons one and two, you know, and then they just kind of weren't there. I think they were in season three or season four that they made like a one-off because that, that one doctor was... Well, they were in the early episodes, I think. Well, anyway, um, the, the the on the Fringe podcast I was listening to, uh, uh, Clinton Darrell had come up with a theory that the uh, the observers would end up being uh, shapeshifters that had evolved. And I, th- I thought that was an awesome theory. I, I was really thought that had a very likely uh, chance of coming true, but obviously it didn't. So we didn't see the shapeshifters, but uh, but they were really creepy you know scary you know, they when they first came through and they were like embryonic and then they had that little thing that put in the roof of their mouth so which none of that has anything to do with lost girl at all but it's just uh right but you're right but the, but really the rakshasa was the only i mean yeah i mean we had we had tabitha the suicide fay but you know not she didn't really play that right critical a role so all right all right well let's take a look at episode four of season three fade to black yeah hold on now i got i got because okay. I, I put the notes for project x at the end and so now i go, go back to the beginning okay uh Written by Alexandra Zarwani and directed by Ron Murphy. And Alexandra has done a quite a few um, episodes, now, at least one other. Yeah, well, she did Faye Gone Wild. Faye Gone Wild. And then uh, Brother Faye of the Wolves. Okay. And, oh, did she write that one? Yeah. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah, and I, really I believe this is uh, Ron Murphy's first um, stint as a director. But So what would you think? Because obviously, we, you know, we talked and, and at first – you know, you were lukewarm. I was yeah, fairly excited. And, you know, and I, I sat down uh, on Powerful Monday yesterday and, and like three hours or something like that. So, um, you know, so I guess as far as ratings, so if, if there's anyone watching my television, they would say, hey, this guy really likes Sci-Fi Channel. Watch him all night. So anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, but, you know, when we first talked, I said I really didn't like it, and I'm still kind of there, but it wasn't it wasn't bad. Yeah, I've moved kind of uh, closer to the center myself, but, but but I was I was definitely out of the four so far this season. This is the one that I was. Well, you know, I think it 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 what I came to realize on subsequent viewings is that it's I guess it's more about the actual characters than really anything in the story arc moving along and that, you know, uh, there are all sorts of catchy titles, you know, the one I like, Wives with Knives <laughs> on the, uh, I guess, the Lifetime channel. But, you know, really, I mean, here it's like you got women in pain, you know, and and, and physical pain, emotional pain, and, and and probably nobody more so than Kenzie. Right. And, yeah, and Kenzie is, you know, like you really, you really feel for, especially seeing it, rewatching it, um, you, know, you 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 think wow that's you know th- this sucks you know what happens to her at the end and the whole time is like this plea for help right from almost the first scene right 
and uh, and everyone's just blowing her off and blowing. Yeah, her and, off. and I mean, it's I mean, here's the one character that really never asks for anything. I mean, you know, she right. she doesn't. I mean, you know, uh, Bo, you know, this is a friend of mine. You know, can we help him out on this case? But but really, I mean, she doesn't ask for anything. And like you said, right from the start, just crying out. Um, you know, she wants. She tells Bo she wants to. You know, she needs to have a heart to heart. And you know, Bo at that point. We still, you know, we're starting to get an inkling of what her pain is, which, you know, obviously we'll get to. But, you know, she's not concerned about Kenzie. She's concerned about, you know, you know, do you have any chocolate? Right. Well, again, and that goes to the this whole uh, issue of her inherent incompatibility with Lauren. Like this, this relationship is 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 not going anywhere. You mean Bo? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, but but even and even speaking of Lauren, he, early on in the in that same scene, Kenzie ostensibly, you know, wants to talk about Lauren, and and you know, Bo goes through. It's like, well, you just got to get to, and, and Kenzie's like, no, no, I'm I'm coming around. Yeah. Now she said she loves her. Right now, whether see, and again, I'm not sure I believe her. Now maybe I do, maybe I don't. Uh, but uh, well, they certainly seem like they, you know. For sure, bonded last episode. And I, I yeah, think a... and and again, the, the, you know, I guess she's saying, you know, the way she stood up to the morgue, and and look, I mean, how can she look? We've talked about that she probably because Lauren's human, that there's some jealousy there that she's not the number one human, you know? right? But on the other hand, you'd think there'd be this affinity that would develop, and and she has to understand. I mean, Lauren's the you know doctor to the Fay, so but. We see a little bit of a snobby streak in Lauren. Oh, this episode. yes, we do. So, I mean, if she could say something like that to Bo, how much? I, I mean, so you know, I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, right? so you know, when you say things like that, you regret them. You don't wish you say them, but they don't come from nowhere. They come from you know, you you know, somewhere. You say these hurtful things, maybe not purposely to hurt. Well, usually yes, to hurt the person, but you know, but you, you know, you say it because it comes from something that you've thought, you know, it doesn't come from nowhere. So obviously Lauren in some degree looks down on Bo. So how must she look at Kenzie? Yeah. And and that's part of the problem, I think, is that she, you know, probably thinks she's a little bit better than, than Kenzie. And Kenzie doesn't, I don't think, reacts well to people like that. Right. Um, and then, you know, we'll, we'll get to uh, Trick's comment in a little bit. Early in this scene, you know, we also see the first inkling that and again, we don't know if this is what she wants to talk to Bo about. We're not sure what she wants to talk to Bo about, but the the whole thing with her arm. Scratches her arm. Yeah, she Scra- had been doing that for a while. But- right. So whatever she wants to talk about, it's and it's probably a combination of all the things, it, it's, it really takes up a lot of the focus of this episode. So, um, well, let's go back to the opening scene for a second, because, you know, the opening scene leads you to think that... And, and, this episode might be something else. So we see, obviously, Bo and Lauren in bed, still going at it after uh, an evening marathon, apparently, from the night before. But what becomes clear right away is that their sex life is having a negative impact right. physically on both. Yeah, and it's kind of like when the uh, that the first couple that uh, Bo is counseling and, you know, and, uh, you know, Bo says... Well, how many times a week do you have sex? And the one guy goes like, three days. Like, see, that's pretty good, right? Yeah. And the other guy goes, three days. And he yeah. means it like, that, yeah, that's right. not. So, you know, I thought that that scene was, that whole scene, first of all, was, was really very funny. And obviously, we see the connection between what Bo sees these two guys going through and what uh, she and, and Lauren are going through as well, where, you know, the, you know, because yes, it's just sex, and, and and sex is an important part of a relationship and everything. But it's not all of the relationship, right? There's there's other more important parts, and and Bo and, and Lauren have that connection as well. But because Bo is a succubus, the whole sex thing plays a more significant role than it does. It's it's not just this thing that people do to show they love one another. It's something that's almost necessary for survival. For Bo. Right. But, you know, I think the thing that's interesting, it doesn't surprise us when Lauren seems to be physically drained. And, and I think it was the previous episode where she's, you know, she's crying out for liquid and right. Gatorade or whatever uh, product placement, Gatorade, send us a free case. Um, you know, <laughs> if but, you're listening. But when Bo 
has to go to the power bar she's got stashed in the bathroom because she, you know, that's pretty surprising. Now, obviously, we find out in this episode what the problem is, but it's not, you know, I don't think, I certainly didn't expect that. Right. Well, yeah, and the, the first time I watched it, you didn't see the power, I was wondering, like, what's what's the deal with that, you know? And then, you know, as as it goes on, you figure out, oh, yeah, I mean, she's just, she's she's hungry. She's, like, literally hungry. Right. Um, but uh, the power bar is not going to do it. Right. So, you know, so we've got Kenzie, you know, in emotional pain and physical pain, uh, you know, clearly both Lauren and Bo, but but primarily, obviously, this episode's about, about Bo. I mean, I think Lauren's exhaustion and all of that is probably just right. you know, the typical the normal, you know. Yeah. Like a side kind of thing. I think actually play it more for humor than for any, you know, relevant plot. Yeah, especially last week when she keeps grabbing for the glass and knocks it off and it shatters on the floor and all of that. Um, all right, so we we've, we do have a procedural, that which was kind of, a, you know, an opening scene. Uh, you know, the daredevil planning to walk a tightrope between buildings. Well, now, that, right, see, as I'm watching, I'm like, how, how did he get the rope up there? Yeah. You know? Like, I can see how you get one side yeah. done, but... It, How'd you get the other side? You know, yeah, like it's not like cities have like ropes strung across buildings all over the place for you know aspiring tightrope walkers to practice on. That's just a little nip. I should, I guess, I should save that for the really. Yeah, I'll bring um, it back up then if I remember. All right, but uh, you know, so we see Dyson and the ever understanding Tamson try to talk him down, and just to you know take a quick detour. Um, you know, I've been spending a little bit more time. Uh, there's a Lost Girl Reddit, uh, Lost Girl Facebook page. And, you know, I've been going on and, you know, spending some time reading both of those, which I haven't done much in the past. And I'm, I'm really surprised at the negativity towards Tamsin's character. And that uh, I'm thinking she, she's been in two episodes, now three episodes. It's like, geez, give it a chance to develop it because the second episode, it was that, you know, humorous one where they were acting like teenagers. I mean, I think she's awesome. Yeah, I, I mean, I would, well, I haven't seen it. So like, what are people saying? What could they? Well, well just like, uh, you know, they don't like her. They don't, you know, they don't see that her character's going anywhere. And I'm thinking, again, she's been in three episodes. <laughs> yeah, right. Give it a chance. Yeah. We, you know, we've got 13 episodes. Um, but I just really like the, just her whole attitude that, you know, we know Dyson's a good guy and granted in, in this episode, it, you know, something that, you know, maybe is not so good about him, you know, we'll, we'll talk about, you know, what it is he is withholding, but it just, you know, the, the dichotomy between, you know, his good guy attitude, trying to help people, especially as a cop, you know, in the in the human world. I mean, he doesn't know yet at this point that whether this is Faye related or not. I mean, he certainly suspects it is. But her whole attitude, it's like, you know what, just jump. If you want to jump, jump. Right. Um, well, because and, and that's uh, an attitude that uh, a lot of the Faye have, both light and dark, where it's just it's just a human. Like, who cares? Right. right. So, you know, so we find out this is the fourth person this week to plunge to the death. Dyson, you know, says that, you know, he's kind of smelled Faye at other scenes. So he's, you know, he's got the inkling that it might be, but, you know, that, that's kind of the procedure, uh, the procedural, you know, if you want to call it the A story, um, fine. And, and that the, the B story probably centering around Bo and, you know, coming to grips with the fact that she's going to have, she's going to have to act like a succubus. Right. And, uh, you know, speaking of the procedural Dyson, you know, I think if I, we can you know, segue the conversation that way, because this episode, I really noticed that he has, he's changed. I mean, he's, he's not, I think his hair's a little longer, his beard's a little longer, so he looks not as rough, you know, and his attitude is definitely a more sympathetic attitude than he's had. I mean, he's always been a... a Character sympathetic to Bo, especially, but now he's just—he's like—he's like a nice guy, right? You mean Dyson? Dyson, Dyson. Yeah. Well, that's what you. Because uh, well, he's—he's—you know, like he—he's stepping back and not getting involved. Even Bo, like, says, 
you know, basically they're they're having the talk, and she's like, well, you know, because you can't. She's like, it's hard on me because you can't love me, you know. And right, and, and but the dramatic irony is exactly. killing me. Right, right, I mean, exactly, you know? exactly, and and it's great because he just sits there, you know. Right. At that point, you'd think he'd be like, oh, but I love you, yeah, yeah. Like he totally break in now, right. tell her his feelings, and but he knows that that's gonna, but. That, it's going to create controversy and conflict. But it's going to create more controversy when she finds out. Right? I mean, when she finds out, look, I mean, what's going to happen? Because he's going to reveal it. Because he's going to spill the beans. Right. And, and you know, uh, of course, that's maybe my prediction. Um, well, not, not that, not again, <laughs> I seem to be throwing those, uh, <laughs> those lobs out yeah. there. But, yeah, so, I mean, that's the thing, again, that it, it's almost like you don't, he doesn't see it. And, He's been enough relationships over the decades, over the centuries, millennia, yeah. centuries that that he's been alive. So it's sort of odd that he can't see it. But it, again, is he so in love with Bo that you know wants her to be happy that he's? Well, wait. What, what can he not see? I'm well, he can't that he can't see that his not telling her that he does have his wolf back. Right. I mean, right. look. If Bo knows he's got his wolf back, does that change? The way she sees Lauren, I think maybe it does. I mean, uh, well, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't think it would necessarily. Uh, I mean, look. What we, I think it would do is is it would certainly affect, obviously, Lauren and and her attitude, which would then, you know, affect the relationship. Right. I mean, we look. We joke about three ways and things like that, but if she knows he has his wolf back. And the, I, don't, I don't joke about three ways. I find them very serious matter. <laughs> you know, that they love each other. And if we believe that Bo loves Lauren, which we do, then, and, and we've come to the realization that she is going to need to be like, act like a succubus. She's going to need to feed elsewhere other than Lauren. Then, like you just said, Lauren's going to have to come to grips with. Yeah you know, what's going on here. And I don't think either of us see, see that as possible. Yeah. I don't, yeah, definitely. I don't think she, well, you know, the whole restriction she put, you know, you can feed on anyone, just not Dyson. Like, right. Really? Yeah. Like that's, that's, I mean, that's definitely and, a jealous move there, but, you know? Uh, or just insecure. I mean. Well, yeah, either way. I mean, yeah. what's jealousy, but you know, insecurity, right? Yeah. So. That you know, you start thinking. Um, I guess the only other, the only human male we've really had has been Nate, right? That's been a part of. Well, the... Yeah, and there was that artist in the one episode with the Morgan, but, I, but he, he wasn't was regular. Just, yeah, right, as, just... as far as regular characters, Nate has been it. Yeah. So you know, maybe at some point we'll see a uh, a human male or... for Lauren. For Lauren? Yeah, maybe. I don't think so. I don't maybe. think she's in the guy. Like, she's not like Bo. I think she's she's strictly in the chicks. Okay. I don't no. think she's. I don't think she's in the guys. Okay. At all. I I I wouldn't believe it. I wouldn't find it believable if they brought in a guy and she fell in love with a guy. You know, like it because oh she could do it just to hurt Bo. I, I mean, she could, but I. It's just it wouldn't be. Yeah, I I think. No, I think you're right. I Lauren's sexuality is. Is is stamped, you know? Yeah. And they start messing around with it. This is that whole suggestion that oh, well, you know, homosexual people are really, you know, if they just concentrate hard enough, they can be straight or something. You know, it's like no, no I know, think she's, yeah, her I sexuality right. is what it is, and and if they mess with it, then uh, then they're gonna, you know, that people it, it wouldn't it wouldn't work. I don't think. No, I think you're right on that. Um, all right, look back to Kenzie for a second. You know, the scene, we, and then we'll come back to Bo. Um, the scene with Hale, you know, I'm not sure. Well, I, I was going to say I'm not sure what to make of it, but, you know, Hale, it's almost as if Hale's determined to prove Trick wrong because clearly Trick doesn't have total confidence that Hale's going to pull this off. Right. Well, he, you know, pretty clearly you know, yeah. says that. You know. Right. Um, so he, she goes in, she's trying to unload on Hale, but he's too busy with Ash business and, and doesn't, you know, he gets the phone call and then just, just, blo- you know, it's like, look, um, you know, why don't we do lunch? And, you know, clearly she wants to talk about the, the, the you know, the, the encounter she has with the Norn and the chainsaw. 
Um, and then again, it, it's kind of like the recovery on her end where she then it's like, you know, dude, you're the ash. You dress terribly. You need a stylist. She's, which is, which is true. Yeah, which you look is at, true. You look at, and you, it's funny because then you see after she makes that comment, you look at Hale's clothes, which I've always really liked how Hale dressed. I thought even in that scene though, he's dressed like it's very cool. You know, he dresses really well, but it's casual, right? Yeah. And if you're the ass, you can't be kicking around like that. And um, but I had never really thought about that before until Kenzie says it. And I'm like. You know, right, Kenzie, you're right. You know, he does need to upgrade in the, the wardrobe yep. here. And then when she comes back, um, you know, she interrupts that meeting he's having. And, you know, it just, we've already talked about whatever pain she's in. And now everybody's mad at her. Right. Well, you know, she's she's got to respect the boundaries, though, still, you know, like she flies in the room and Hale is giving her the no, right. no, not now. Like, you know, like the, the pretty desperate, like seriously do not come in here right now. And she blasts right through it, you know, and which I love Kenzie as a character, but one thing that, uh, that, well, they, they do consistently keep is that sometimes she can, when she kind of has her own thing going, she can has blinders on to like everything else that's going like kind of a bull in a China shop type thing. And uh, and she was she was wrong. She was flat out wrong in coming in here and messing that up. And Hale realizes that. And so when he the transformation he goes through, then is is expected, but also necessary. And, and it's what I I said before, like as my prediction that he's in assuming his role as as the Ash and taking it seriously. And to be an effective Ash, he's got to he's got to make the hard decisions and and. Uh, you, you ha- obviously you're looking through your notes. You have the line that Trick says. Yeah, I do. That that you know we all love Kenzie, but make no mistake, she's not one of us. Nobody said it would be easy, even if it's more than you can bear. So, and it's to to hear that come out of Trick's mouth, I think just reinforces the seriousness of, you know, Hale trying to take the reins of the Light Fay, and you know this this ambassador Broomhilda. We're you know, we're not sure exactly who she's an ambassador for. Um, is she an amb- is she for the dark? I, well, I guess right because, because they talk about the the, the it has something to do with the 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 the, the program that right with, uh, Dyson, with Dyson and, and Tamsin. Um, which then again, we're like, well, what's the big deal? They're working together. They're partners. What? Why do you need this big powwow about? These two cops that are paired up. It's like, right. but that's the whole, there's more to Tamsin than we realize. You know, we know that apparently she's pissed off the Morgan and, and now there's this whole thing. So there's got to be an episode soon <laughs> where, where things change and we, we start, you know, focusing on kind of like what is going to be the overall mythology of, of this season. Right, because at this point, it's just really kind of all about the characters and and you know the 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 relationships that are forming, the ones that are breaking, and yeah, um, because right, I mean that okay, maybe there's this Fay protocol that you know Kenzie has you know intruded upon, and that's you know, but but in the big picture, is that really that big a deal? Well, you know, maybe apparently it, is. it was. Yeah, apparently it was. Trick is really pissed, and um, you know, like we said, we don't really see Trick getting that upset right and so this must have been a very big deal because trick so who's in charge the blood king or the ash we've been asking that question since season one haven't we yeah it's still you know and i thought that was like you know this is right up with what dave has been saying because um even though uh hale is the ash um and as it was with lachlan and the guy before is that uh you know we just we it, it appears that trick has you know a, a strong influence over yeah uh, the Ash and his decisions. We find out what's wrong with Bo, right? That that you know just feeding off of Lauren is clearly not enough for her. Um, you know she she gets hit by that car in the indoor parking garage and you know uh, doesn't heal quickly. We see the bruise, which uh, you know we later see is this huge bruise on her side. Um, she and Lauren have a little quickie and you, you, you know, they, they make a point of showing you that, you know, it, it, it heals a little bit, but. A little bit, yeah. Well, we said before, you know, iPod, yeah. hamster wheel, doesn't work. Yep. So, um, 
you know, in the uh, midst of, of that, you know, Lauren lets us know that she doesn't think that the suicide Faye, who's the, uh, you know, the girl that's the receptionist at the uh, feel-good clinic, uh, is to blame that something's feeding off the adrenaline of the people that are jumping. And, and you know, that we go through. And, and again, I don't think this was that, you know, the, the, the procedural, yeah, you know, it was you know, semi-needed, but, yeah. you know, all these childhood dreams that people wanted to, you know. And yeah, the procedural was, was a, a little a, a little, little weak. weak there, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, a couple of things there. First of all, I don't know if you noticed it, but the first time Bo goes into the, uh, the clinic um, and she meets uh, Tabitha, the receptionist, she walks away. I'm pretty sure Tabitha was checking out her ass. Okay. I'm pretty, pretty sure that that happened. Um, and I'm really shocked that they sent Bo into an office to try to rifle through the files. <laughs> yeah. And then she has. It's only about that. the, what, yeah. fifth or sixth time we've yeah. seen that it happens, one. It happens quite a few times. Yeah. Um, yeah, she should really, like, make sure the person's out when uh, whenever she goes uh, rifling through the files in their office and everything. Um, um, and then, well, you know, Dr. Palmer, uh, a nod to Zoe Palmer. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, could be. Could be. Um, but you know, also I think uh, when we when Bo realizes that the shapeshifter is a cat, um, was surprised like nobody. Like the minute they said it's a shapeshifter, you're like, "Oh, it's the cat, obviously." Doctor Bob, because it's not going to yeah. have a shapeshifter looking like Doctor Bob, right? It's going to be something that innocuous, something you don't know, and so it's like obviously the cat, right? Not Doctor Bob, Doctor Palmer, right? I meant to say Doctor um, Bob's a cat, right? So. Uh... Anyway, so Bo goes undercover as a, you know, a psychologist. And, and the scene that you were kind of alluding to, you know, when we first started talking about the episode, when, you know, she and Lauren are talking about it and, and Bo says something that, uh, yeah, you know, this doctor stuff isn't all that hard. And, uh, oh, boy, does that rankle. Yeah. Now, interdefin- starts pulling off the Freud, Young um, yeah, about four. You know, these that's like, I have like three really, so I'm just going to jump in with this one now because all right, I, I guess probably she's being sarcastic. Like those aren't actually their books because like really, you just go to a, a random bookshelf and you start pulling off the exactly like the five books. That, you know, Freud, Young, Masters of Johnson, Kinsey, Bam, Bam, Bam. They're all right here, two yeah. steps away from me. Now you mention it, you know. Um, so, but I, then I, I thought about. It. I'm like, well. She might be just pulling out any book and, yeah. and saying it and being sarcastic. I know. Oh, wait, you didn't even finish high school, did you? Yeah, that was. Oh, that, that cut. Just, yeah, that, that's. I just that just mean. Yeah, you know, like you're not nearly far enough into this relationship to be getting that mean. You know, you like, know, and, and it's a couple of years. Well, you know, and it's one of those things that that you know the whole idea of Bo's intelligence has come up a couple of times, and you know the. Um, you know, I look. Obviously, Lauren's brilliant. I mean, there's no way around that. She really is a brilliant doctor, and you know that that Bo. I mean, sometimes just does the dumbest things and, and says. I mean, that really. You know, on the one hand, it's just a dumb thing to say. On the other hand, it's pretty insensitive to Lauren, and that's how she sure. takes it. Sure. Yeah. That's. Uh, but you know, she she is talking. You know, psychiatry, and not you know. <laughs> Ooh, nah, I'm just insult there with that. I'm yeah. just kidding. No, I know, I know. I know psychiatry is is very complex and difficult because uh, I took exactly one semester of it in college, and then I was like, "Man, this is all like science and biology stuff." And I thought it's, when I was in high school, psychi- psychology classes were awesome because we just talked about like the theory and everything. And then you take it in college, and now you're talking about the physiology of it. I was man, I, I was so confused. They had me mapping the brain and then heading for the registrar. Well, I, I actually got a, I have a degree in psychology. Yeah. Yeah. My roommate uh, came home one time and I, you know, I was majoring in English and, and uh, journalism and uh, my roommate came home. Gosh, I guess we were sophomores. He says, he was a psych major. He goes, every one of my classes, it's like 23 girls and two guys. I'm like, all right, let me look in the course catalog. Okay. You only need 32 credits for a, you know, an undergraduate degree in in psych. I'm, I'm there. Nice. But but I did take a course in sexual counseling, <laughs> which was uh, sort of interesting. Yeah. But anyway, we digress. So we digress. so you know so they they get Dyson is going to go undercover, um, you know, so he can 
get hypnotized because they're you know at this point we don't know whether Dr. Palmer is the um, you know the shapeshifter the Rakshasa you know we obviously find out he's not but uh, um, you know but Dyson I mean he really gets hypnotized right I mean that's yeah, yeah. certainly what it well, seems. I, I don't know if it's the hypno. I don't think it's the hypnosis. I think it's the it's the the rakshasa scratching him that causes it. Okay, but does that work kind of in? Because there is certainly a suggestion that it kind of works in conjunction with like the regression uh, therapy as well. So yeah, who knows? Right, but we we certainly needed a scene for Dyson. There had to, to be some kind of danger there. Well, we needed a scene for him to take his shirt off. Oh yes, right. right so yeah. you know he gets up yeah. on the roof, and, and he starts like. I mean, you can't jump off a roof with your shirt on. Come no, on, no, absolutely not. And uh, that's why I love the line with uh, Tamsin. <laughs> Hold on, let me see. So she said, uh, um, <laughs> "I'll let I'm, you." Oh, I'm warning you: do not unwrap the wang. You know, <laughs> like that, that's. That was hilarious. Oh, she's classic. I yeah. mean, it's it just real. Yeah. I mean, well, then she says, you know, go go see if you can talk Manimal down. I'm like, Manimal. I think I, I believe I, if I remember correctly, I think I watched the pilot of Manimal when it oh, came okay. out. But then that became for a long time in the 80s, the uh, like the epitome of the, you know, horrible TV show that that lasted just a couple weeks and everything. Yeah. Now, I will say one thing, you know, this the scene up on the roof. That you know, when we first see him up there, it really is an awesome visual that that really just caught my eye. Where, you know, Dyson's standing there, the sun's behind him, you know, illuminating him. Uh, there's this low camera angle that it just really, just visually, it was it was just you know an awesome scene. And then of course she comes in with her line, which is uh, classic. If we were going to do a uh, top ten classic lines, yeah. From Lost Girl, that would certainly uh, have to be in it. But we still haven't discussed the elephant in the room, which is, you know, Dyson figuring out what's wrong with Bo and offering his services. Right. Once again, and a lot more subtle than before. But, right. uh, you know, we've always kind of like, you know, mocked how, you know, he was always like, hey, you know, if you ever need to heal, I'm right here. But uh, in this case, she really, really does need to heal. You know, right. And, and so. you know, he makes, look, don't, you know, no feelings, no. And, you know, again, obviously we talked about the dramatic irony before. I mean, you know, again, we know and, but we also then know that sooner or later, Lauren has to know. And so we've, you know, we see the, you know, the scene finally, Bo goes to confess to Lauren and, uh, um, before she can, you know, get it out, yeah. you know, Lauren's got the breakthrough. Well, she and, figures it out right when she realizes that that Bo healed, right? And she kind of cottons on uh, right away. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's just this whole Lauren thing, you know, like it's just she's she's not she's not a bad character, but you know, she's just kind of being a little uncool here, you know. Who, who? Lauren? Lauren yeah, yeah, you know. Um, so. Well, well, the other thing, you know, while Bo's trying to talk Dyson down, right, and, and you know, you're loved by so many people, and he says, but not you. Not by you. Yeah. And, um, again, how does she not, yeah. you know, or, yeah. or, or does she think that's the, you know, the, you know, the, the, the words of a guy who's, you know, but, I mean, temporarily if, if, delusional. If we go back to season two and remember – how emotionally destroyed she was when, you know, not for a long time, not even knowing what the problem was. And then, well, actually, no, that wasn't a long time because he told her right in episode one, I think, right? Yeah. But the, the whole thing, well, then she was under delusion that in some way she can get it back with, you know, by being, uh, you know, loving him even more and stuff like that. So she, I mean, she really just went through an emotional ringer with that relationship. And you can see she's still stinging from him. I mean, she tells him that. And, and then, you know, and she obviously, she, to her mind, I mean, how could she even imagine that he would have gotten back his mm-hmm. his wolf and everything? So, uh, you know, it's uh, it's 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 sad. You know, I mean, obviously, we're we're happy that you know that she's happy yeah. with, with Lauren, and, and we're all good with that. But uh, we feel horrible for for Dyson because, really, you know, this this guy, all of it has come from altruism, really. You know, like right. from the the start, he he gave up his love for her to save her life. Right, and um, 
You know, and now that he has it back, he's not telling her because she's in an, another relationship and he doesn't want to mess with that relationship. Right. And she tells him that, you know, this can't happen again. Right. Uh, because it's hurtful to Lauren and goes off to tell her the truth. And, uh, you know, again, the, the, you know, I mean, there are a lot of the writing in this episode, you know, again, in, in surprise, surprise, we seem to do this every week. Uh, you know, you realize how good a lot of the writing was, you know, that she goes off to tell Lauren the truth. And then we see Tamsin and Dyson, you know, in the bar and, you know, he made it clear he needs to attend to his wolf. So, you know, you know, what's going to, I mean, clearly there's flirtation going on here. Yeah. But we don't know, you know, because Dyson doesn't seem like he's really interested in going out to get with Tamsin. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Howl at the moon a little bit, but yeah, maybe you know it's it's possible. Yeah, I mean, he's just um, definitely it's it's good to see him getting out though. Yeah, well, well um, you know, it's funny. I saw about uh, talking about predictable movies. Um, uh, Mila Kunis is that how you pronounce her name? I think so. Okay, and uh, Justin Timberlake is that? Uh, do you know what movie I'm talking about? You know, I guess they're best friends, and uh, oh, what, what, oh, friends with benefits—is that oh, okay. what it's called? Right, uh, that they're. Don't you know, ask me. Well, you know that sounds familiar. It okay. sounds familiar, but well, I guess they're good friends, and you know they've been friends for a long time, and they, you know, I guess they they both realize that neither's been in a relationship for a long time, so that neither of them's had sex for a long time, and they kind of fall into a you know semi-drunken you know whatever. And then they decide, well, look, you know, we're friends. We can, you know, we can just do this just as friends. Now I didn't watch the end of the movie. I didn't, but I'm, I'm guessing. You probably didn't have to. Yeah. Um, I, I imagine that they're together by the end. Yeah. That would be, be my prediction. Yeah. And, you know, so you see all this, you know, the, the, the clashing between Tamsin and Dyson. And yet, I don't know, you know, maybe I'm seeing something that's not there, but uh, seeing a little, a few little sparks oh, there, no, a little no, spark. It's definitely there. Yeah. Right from the, the start when yeah. she comes in and he's got his shirt off boxing and then he takes his shirt off here and everything, you know. Um, and actually now also in the last episode with the Hungry Like the Wolf. So he's had his, yeah. and his I shirt mean, off in 75% of the, the episodes so far this year. Right. And I mean, the two of them are, are you know, thrown together, you know, for the good of the light and the dark that, you know, they're the... Um, you know, they're the test case to see that the two can work together and probably because they're thrown together because nobody would imagine that there'd be any kind of a connection, any kind of an attraction. Or maybe they did because they thought there would be. Ah. Because, yeah. again, okay. there, there's more to this than, than we know. So yeah. who knows? That could be. But, yeah, no, I, I I definitely agree with you. There's there's definitely sparks there. I'm just not sure if he's looking for that right now it, it seems like they're kind of going out as like you know just going to tear up the town like almost like buddies but you know who knows yeah what uh what hijinks will ensue um well other than the final scene um where we see kenzie's desperate to talk to Bo, um and then she finally pulls off the bandage and man talk about nasty that was that was disgusting and, that was gross. And but you know, and that just shows you here she's I mean, she's really been suffering for a long time from this and no one knows. You know, yeah. like every time like I think Bo asked her about it uh last episode. She was just like, Yeah, it's all right, it's fine. Right. Don't worry about it. You know, and obviously it's, it's not fine. And then the uh the smoke monster pulls her into the Yep. Whatever Shades of Lost there. And the episode ends and like big, that's a big WTF, right? Right, it happens right. So I guess episode. so. I guess we go into episode five. That you know, where's Kenzie? Yeah. So, um, well, that's all I got. Anything else? Uh, just two things. Uh, I think. Well, one uh, there was just a really good line when um, you know, like Dyson, his his kind of motto for this evening out with uh, with Tams is more of everything. You know. Like what was that uh, from History of the World Part One? Like uh, oh. Dom DeLuise, you know, more yep. wine, more women, more of everything. You know, just like it was a great, uh, great nod to a hedonistic uh, attitude there. 
And then also, I didn't know if you caught this one uh, when you know Tamsin says, "You know, I'll I'll pay." He he says, "Tamsin, will you you know will you buy the drink?" She's like, "Well, only if you're a good boy." And he says, "No, I'm a very very bad wolf." Yeah. I'm like, yes, bad wolf. Right, but the, oh, good <laughs> point. Wolf. Oh, Doctor Who. Yeah. Oh, yeah. nice. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then one more thing, I just remember because also. But what does she say after that? No, I can't. She comes back and she. I, I yeah, but it's remember. again, it's something flirtatious, I believe. Uh-huh. All right. Anyway, what's your other one? Well, then, and then there's, there's the, um, you know, Tamsin says to to Bo uh, about the. Um, I guess it was it was about Dr. Palmer or whatever. She says, "Well, I hate to say I told you so." And I'm like, "Hey, that was a, there, I don't know if you remember that song by the, the Hives. Uh I can't sing it cuz it's really tough to sing. But that's just a really good song. I don't know if they did that on purpose because hate to say I told you so. I guess it's a, you know, a cliche you know that people say all the time. But uh that was a really good song. All right. Check it out on iTunes. All right. Now, before we get into the prediction, just to, you know, throw this out to the listeners, uh, you know, especially those of you that have been waiting for us to do the pilot for Being Human, we almost got it tonight. Uh, because when Wayne got here, it's like, yeah, Danielle's going to Skype in and and we'll talk about you know tonight's Lost Girl episode, and we'll we'll finally get See, to talk I, I, about. Being I, I apologize human. about that. Man. I just I thought you already had it all set up. And yeah, so but like, uh, yeah, I threw Dave for a loop. Yeah, but we'll we'll figure that out. Uh, but all right, so predictions. All right, so my prediction is, is again going to do with uh, a deal with Tamson and Dyson, and just sort of what we were just talking about is that you know that they were thrown together deliberately with some ulterior motive, and I don't know what that is yet, but that I think the powers that be, and 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 I guess the Ash and the Morgan. I mean, we don't know of anybody higher than those two, right? Well, the Council of Elders. Yeah. Okay. Which is what the the Brunhilder seems to be. Okay. That the powers that be are throwing them together because they want them to be together. I, I agree, yes. Okay, so that's going to be my prediction. Prediction. Okay, well, my prediction is, is maybe even more uh, of a softball than yours, but I really... Uh, well, obviously, there's no way Bo's going to keep her promise to stay away from Dyson. Okay. That, that ain't going to happen. Um, and if I had to elaborate and say, how is this going to happen? I would say, you know, obviously, Kenzie is in some kind of peril that the next episode they're going to have to save her. And in some way there, during while the peril is occurring, uh, Bo will find out that Dyson still has his wolf, especially if it's the Norn. Yeah, because probably she got nabbed by the Norn. Right. So, so you know, the Norn or somehow Bo's going to find out, and then that's going to. Yeah, I don't know if it, immediately they're going to uh, get it on, but I think that that's going to happen. That's not. I'm not saying this because. All right, I will admit, and I actually wrote here that, uh, you know, okay, Dave, I am now officially on Team Dyson. Okay. You know that uh, I am a, a a Team Dyson guy, but uh, it's, it's it's not that I. Don't I want to see the Lauren Bo relationship fail? I just think it's it's inherently has to fail because they are incompatible. Yeah, uh, Bo cannot be with a human. Basically, uh, I think is how it goes um, because it's just it's just it's not enough for her. Okay. So so I think that the the Bo and and Dyson will get together, which is an awful prediction because it's like saying I predict there's going to be an episode five. Yes. Well, right. I also do predict that. Okay. <laughs> All right, and then in our segment. Really? Really? Uh, mine tonight has to do with with the you know one of the last scenes when Kenzie goes to see Hale and the guards in front of the door and it's not so much that the you know the really is when she says, you know, what am I being ash blocked? <laughs> you know, and it's not so much that, that that the really it's that that Hale did that to her. Mm, I, I mean I, 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 I that that I thought well, I mean, because I said, I mean, that it has to happen. It had to happen. Yeah, Hale's got to grow up. And... But I guess I feel like she's at least earned a face-to-face. Look, you can't come in. You can't do this. I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah. I think she's earned that. I got you. I, I got you. Yeah, that's true. true. And, and the really is not directed at the writers. It's directed at Hale. Okay. Well, my really is kind of directed at the writers because, all right, and, uh, you know, we got – 
the scene, and I, I almost like kept rewinding, like, did I, did I miss something? All right, so we got the scene where Dyson is in Dr. Palmer's office, right? And he pulls out the letter opener, and he's acting weird and, and intimidating Dr. Palmer, right? Right. Cut the commercial. Come back from commercial. There's Tamsin with the letter, letter opener at uh, Dr. Palmer's throat. And I'm like, wait, what the hell? Like, she just left. Then they cut the dice, and then she's there, like, right away. I'm like, "That's did I miss something? Because it seems like there's a bunch of steps that would have happened in between there before she's just suddenly, you know, Tams and Bo just appear in his office. So yeah, it's it's kind of like in, in Fringe when, like, you know, they're in Boston one minute, and they're like, okay, we got to go to New York, and bam, next scene, they're in New York. You're like, hold on, what do you think? But, you know, obviously – uh, as, as I've heard a bunch of people say, it's not like they're going to show. Okay, in this episode, Peter and Walter drive on a quiet country road down to New York City. You know, it's like yep. they're, they're not going to do that. Um, so that that was one. I had, a, I had quite a, a couple really. So hold on, a couple of them I've already talked about. Um, oh, when uh, <laughs> really she, uh, you know, Tamsin says, "Oh, well, it's." Occam's beard trimmer. Oh, you know what? I listened to that like three times and I didn't know what she said. Oh, razor, right? Yeah, Occam's right. razor. Okay. Yeah. Jeez. Right. See, and I was like, really? Come on now. That's, that's, uh, you know, I, I, if, if she were being facetious, it'd be one thing, but I think she, you know, yeah. Really was. All right. That's all I got. All right. Well, um, we'd love to hear from you. You can drop us a line at fatalistpodcast at gmail.com. You can check out the website, fatalists.podbean.com. You can also now find us on Facebook. Uh, we're posting a little bit more. Uh, it's just uh, social media is something that we're trying to get better at. Um, you can, of course, get the podcast through iTunes, and you can also uh, check us out on Twitter. So until next time. Stay well, my friends.